Father, thank you, God, for this morning and this time of worship that we've had. God, just how it has moved us and how your Holy Spirit, God, he is here and he is doing a great work already in people's hearts. So, Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word and we see what you have to say to us through your word, God, that our hearts would continue to be stirred, that your Holy Spirit, God, that he would, he would be here and he would move uh, as we look at your word and what you have to say to us. God, we know that you alone are the one that can change us, God, and we, we trust in that. Uh, we believe in that. And, Lord, right now, I just pray that you clear our minds and clear our hearts and that we be receptive to your word and open our ears. God, we do love you, and we thank you for this precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a, a study recently on the Holy Spirit. And I will say, uh, not because of anything that I've done, but it has been good. Um, last week, we just simply said, God impressed upon my heart that I was to get out of the way and that we were going to do things different. And we completely upset the service and we completely took our order of service and threw it out the window and we said, God, whatever you want to do, God, you do it. And I didn't tell the band ahead of time that I could already feel God impressed upon my heart that that's what we were supposed to do. God had wrecked my brain and heart when I was in Walmart early five o'clock in the morning. I don't know why he chooses to speak to me at Walmart, but apparently he does. God likes to talk to me at Walmart and he likes to talk to me when I'm cutting the grass. I don't know what's holy about those two places, but apparently there's something very spiritual about being in Walmart and cutting the grass at my house. But for whatever reason, God chooses to really, really impress things upon my heart when I'm cutting the grass or at Walmart. And that Sunday morning, I was, <laughs> I was walking right past the bank of uh, uh, checkout registers that are like self-checkout registers or whatever. And, uh, and, and God just kind of stopped me in my tracks and said, it's going to be different today. And I went, what? No. Come on. you got to be kidding. This, this is not the plan. Yeah, we had a plan. God, we had a plan. And, and you told me that we were going to have a plan. And he said, yes, but I'm telling you now, the plan is going to be different. So what we did is we just simply opened up the Word of God. I, I, would, I would read some passages and say something about it. And then the band would play a song. And then we just do that back and forth. And we did that for several songs. And we just invited the Holy Spirit of God to do whatever you want to do. We're here we're be, to be obedient. If you call us to the altar, we're going to do that. And people were just like flooding the altar. There were people here that I, I believe that they needed healing in their lives. There's something broken in their hearts and they just needed to come before God and just say, God, I need your restoration. There are people that were down here praying for other people. They knew of people that were hurting and they just wanted to pray for them. And then there were some people that wanted to come and pray for the other people that were here praying. It was like, I told them, I said, if God moves on you to come and pray for somebody, you come and pray for them. Just lay your hand on, the, on their shoulder and you pray for them. And we did that. And I told the band, I said, look, if you need to go down there and pray, I don't care if we have any music at all, you go down to the altar and pray if that's what God tells you to do. And it was incredible. I, I don't know how else to describe it, the way that God moved, the way that things happened. It was incredible. And, and, and we all just experienced something wonderful here. And I don't want us to take that for granted. I want us to understand how powerful that was. And, and I want us to understand how precious that is when God moves in that way. And some people would say, man, Kenny, I want, I want every Sunday to be like last Sunday. I want every Sunday to be just like last Sunday, where, where people are falling down on their face before God, and, and God is moving in their hearts, and God is convicting them over things, and God is shaping them and molding them and all the great things. I want every Sunday to be like that. And I would say, wrong. I would say, wrong. 
We should desire for every day of our life to be that way. Every single day ought to be one where you feel, where the Spirit of God is moving in such a way you need to fall on your face before God and say, God, I need you desperately today. Every day, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, not just one Sunday out of the month or one Sunday out of every six months. I mean, every day you need to live like that. You need to walk in the Spirit is what Paul tells us to do. Walk so that you're in tune with the Spirit so that you know when God is moving you towards something or when God is convicting you over something in your life that you need to, to deal with. And you need to feel so comfortable in the Spirit of God that you just can fall down on your face before God at any point in time. And God can wreck your soul, even in the middle of the bank of registers at Walmart where there's a self-checkout line. God needs to be able to wreck your soul at that point. I'm telling you, man, if you walk in the Spirit and you walk in accordance with the Spirit... God can do that in and through you. And the other thing that happens when you do that is he, he convicts you over some things, some things that you may have thought previously were okay and you were able to, to kind of deal with them and, and move past. You say, well, this is not exactly right, but it's okay. I can still kind of continue down this road and it'll be all right because God loves me and he has grace and he, he forgives me. And yes, indeed, he does. But if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit of God residing in your heart, it is very difficult for you to continue down a path of disobedience to God. God just continues to move on you and stir you and show you things in his word that just say, you gotta fix this, you gotta fix this, you gotta fix this. And what we have seen in so many people, they, they've come to the realization that they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. We've seen this over the past few weeks. We've seen people recognize that I indeed don't know him. I, I don't have a relationship with him. There is nothing in my heart that, that tells me, yes, indeed, I am one of his children. They, 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 they recognized that. So what did they do? They came and they said, man, I, I, I need forgiveness. I, I've been acting like a Christian on the outside, but I, I know that I'm not really one of his. I know that there's something not right inside me. And they wanted to get that right. And they said, man, I want to give Jesus Christ everything in my life. And I want him to be central and number one in my life. And I'm not going to rest until that happens. And we've had... Last week, we had eight people follow through in believer's baptism because they want to give their life to Christ and want everybody to know about it. And it's been powerful. That's the way the Holy Spirit of God works. And, and that's what we've experienced here in this place, and I'm excited about it. I really am. But I bet you're asking the same question I am. How, how do we keep doing that? How, how, do, how, do we, how do we keep it going? Can you, how, I don't really want it to stop, and I, I really do want to continue in this path. I want to continue in, in this, this path of walking in the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> if you didn't ask, then I'd stand up here for 20 minutes looking at you. But we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what God's Word says about how we're to continue walking in the Spirit and how, how we're supposed to continue to, to, to please God and, and to be close to God and to not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about today. You see, I, I believe that God gives us a choice, right? Uh, some, some people say, well, God didn't really give you a choice. I believe God gives us a choice. Uh, it, because if it wasn't a choice, then, then Paul wouldn't be able to tell us to, to walk in the Spirit. He'd just say, be in the Spirit, but Paul tells us to walk in the Spirit, which means to tell me that, that I'm supposed to do something. And I'm not just supposed to sit there and be in the Spirit. I'm supposed to do something. I'm supposed to walk in the Spirit. That means that i got to do something. 
And some of you are going, well, I was here on Wednesday night, and Kenny, you said that, that nothing ha- happens outside the hand of God, that every, God is sovereign, God knows everything, he, he controls everything. We looked at the book of Job, and we looked at the stars and the mountains and the seas and everything, and how God said, I'm in control of all this, Job, and you don't even know about it all. And I would say, yes, he is. But I would still say that God gives us a choice. See, we... We've got a beautiful place for us to go and have a picnic right now. We could leave right now. All of us pack up and we go over to Oxford Lake, which, by the way, at the end of the month, on a Sunday night, we're going to do that. I hope you all will come to that. We'll talk about that more. You, you could go over right now and have a picnic at Oxford Lake, and you could enjoy the sunshine, and you could enjoy the smell of the ducks, and you could enjoy the, the, the water out there, and you could enjoy the kids playing on the slides, and it would be really good. I mean, you'd just be like, man, this is a glorious day. Or you could go like 100 yards that way and have a picnic at the sewage treatment plant, right? You could, and it's your choice. And and God created them both. One happens to be more of a necessity than something that's really pleasurable, admittedly. But God created them both, right? And God gives you a choice as to which one you're going to walk in. Are you going to... You're going to walk in the sewage treatment plant to have your picnic, or are you going to go over to Oxford Lake where it's beautiful and people are having fun and it's an enjoyable place to be? See, in Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has already prepared a long time ago. So that means that he, he's got a plan laid out there for us that if we choose to walk in the Spirit, if we choose to walk in the things that he has laid out there for us, and we can. We can. But that also means that we have a choice. If we choose not to, we can do that too. So my prayer for you today, and I don't know how fitting this is for Mother's Day or whatever, but I'm just telling you this is what God impressed upon my heart, that we're supposed to talk about what it means to not grieve the Holy Spirit, to not walk in a way that we are just unfaithful to God, disobedient to God, to walk in a way that we are walking in a way that's pleasing to God, and this Holy Spirit that dwells within us, man, it's just saying yes, 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 because that Holy Spirit, just as much as it can say yes, 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 this is a place you're supposed to be, like when you're falling down your face at an altar here, just crying out to God, and the Holy Spirit of God is going inside of you, yes, yes, yes. There's also a way that you can walk that's outside of the Spirit, and that Holy Spirit still lives within you, but it's going, no. No, no, and sometimes it's crying out, no, 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 and you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So let's look today at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. We could get a running start at this little passage here. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, it says this. He's talking, Paul's talking to the church of Ephesus here, and he's, he's trying to tell them how they're supposed to live. He, he, he tells them, uh, if you read the book of Ephesians, he tells them about you know, the way God did things and about the sacrifice, and he talks about uh, the revelation of God to come and what's going to happen, and he gives them some practical advice about how to live. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad that we got some practical advice about how to live? We can talk about the end times all day long and how good it's going to be one day when we get uh, to, the, to the New Jerusalem and, and there's, 
you know, a brand new resurrected body and there's, there's a new heaven and a new earth and, and there's no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. And we could talk about that all day long and it's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes we need some practical advice about some things that we need to do so that we know that we're living in accordance with the spirit. So we're living in a way that, that is pleasing to God and will keep us in touch with that spirit of God. We need to know some practical things. And here he's been talking about the unity of the church and as believers, how we're supposed to be unified. And there's one God and one spirit. So because of that, man, we're to be together. So in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning of verse 16, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So he kind of wraps up things here, talking about how we're supposed to be unified. As a body of believers, we're supposed to be together, and, and, and we've got one head, which is Christ, and we've got these different parts of the body that are supposed to be doing the same thing. They're supposed to be going, they've got one spirit, so they're supposed to be doing the same thing. Can you imagine how difficult it would be if you had an arm that wanted to do its own thing? Now, some of you, you look at the way I preach, and you go, well, Kenny, you have that affliction. <laughs> Sometimes your arm's doing this, and you're like, I don't know, is he... Trying to tell me something? I know, look, I do this. I mean, I got all kinds of things going on with my arms. I really don't know what's going on with them besides I really don't know what else to do besides stick them in my pockets or something. And then I look foolish doing that. But can you imagine as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, you got some people that are trying to walk in accordance with the Spirit and some that are trying to walk not in accordance with the Spirit. How difficult that, that's going to be. You got one leg going this way, one leg going that way, and you just kind of stagger around, Right? And that's why Paul's telling the church at Ephesus, man, be united. You got one spirit. You get, get, your, get your body in order so that you're all going the same way, all doing the same thing. You're all focused on the same task, man. Get it together. That's why it's so important for you to walk in the spirits because if you don't, you know what, what it causes? It causes division and separation and, and all the things that make us go our separate ways. But as believers, if we walk in the spirit and we walk in the things that God uh, tells us to do in obedience to him, then we are all walking the same path. We're all going over to Oxford Lake and not going to the sewage treatment plant, right? Listen to what he said. I, this, I, I don't know what else to say about this besides it's just good. Verse 17 says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, not his authority, the Lord's authority, live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopeless and confused. All he's saying there is that Live as though you, you are the ones that know God, not the ones that don't know God, that live some other way. Live like you know God, not like the people that don't know God. That's really complicated, isn't it? Live like you're one of the people that actually knows God. Now, once again, our mantra here at Simple Church is simple, not easy, right? Sometimes it's really simple to hear something and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm supposed to live like I'm a person that knows God. Yes, absolutely. I, I got that. Sometimes that's really hard, Kenny. <laughs> you better believe it is. Sometimes it's really hard to be somebody that, that, that lives like they know God. Sometimes it's really difficult to do that. We try our best. But many times what happens is the old flesh takes over and <laughs> you start feel like you're being torn in two and you're going one way. And you're like, man, how did I get here in this place? He says, man, live like you're one of those that know God. Don't live like the people that don't know God. They're confused and they're hopeless. He says, just live like you know God. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God, God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. 
They have no sense of shame, for they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You know what? I know this is real complicated. Paul goes to the church at Ephesus, don't do that. Don't do that. Live like you're the person that, that knows God. Don't live like the people that don't know him. They, they, they indulge in all kinds of things. Everything that's impure, that's what they indulge in. I, I know there's some people sitting here, man, and you're like, yeah, Kenny, I hear you. I've heard this a million times. What I'm telling you today, the reason I'm telling you this today is because when, when you go to click something on your computer and you know that you really shouldn't do that, I want you to remember these words. I want the Holy Spirit of God who is right here right now to remind you of these words. Uh, when, when your mind goes towards lustful or impure thoughts, I want the Holy Spirit of God to remind you of these words that you heard on Sunday morning. And I want the Holy Spirit of God to remind you, live like you know God. Live like you know God. Don't live like you don't know God. Live like you know God. Yeah, you've heard it a million times. My prayer is that today the Holy Spirit of God will convict you and show you that you need to live like you know God. Verse 20 says this, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned truth that comes from him. Now, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Isn't that the way Satan always tries to work? And that's the things that we deal with. Lust and deception, right? It doesn't really boil down. You think about what we deal with a lot of times, lust and deception, that's the old sinful nature. That's the way before Christ, before the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, that's the nature that you have. One that desires lust and is deceived. Throw it off is what he says. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now, I, I love the fact that he doesn't say renew your thoughts, just your thoughts. Because you can have renewed thoughts without having a renewed attitude, right? You, you ever had somebody that like, had, you know, a really good persona, if you will. So they, they love God, and you can see that, but they had a really bad attitude, a really poor attitude, and you didn't want to really be around that person. Sometimes that's the case. So, so Paul's telling us not just your thoughts, but your attitude, the way that those, those, the, the spirit that lives within you moves you to behave. So it's not just what you think, but it's also what you do. Once again, you are called to do something. You can't just sit there and go, well, my thoughts are really good. I really have good motivations. I really understand the things I'm supposed to be doing. It's got to come out of you. It's got to make its way out of you so that it affects your attitude and it affects not only the things you do and say, but the way you behave and the things that, that you just show other people. He says, let, let it change your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, a lot of times what we do, there, there's two ways this can go, okay? So some people, they try to do a lot of taking off, okay? They try to take off the old nature. 
So they try to do away with sin, and they work really hard at doing away with sin in their life, and they, they, they try really hard, and they pray about it really hard, and that's kind of where they leave it. Maybe they come down here and fall to an altar and God, take away the sin, take away the desires of my flesh that are just tormenting me right now. God, just help me, God, you know? And they're like trying so bad, bad to take off the old nature. They want to get it away. They want to behave like somebody that knows God. They want to get the things that, that are just awful in their life. They want to get it out. And that's good. Great. Phenomenal. I'm glad that you have the Holy Spirit that pushes you that direction. And then you have the other side of the coin, which is people that just try to put on the new nature. So they keep trying to, to be around church. They keep trying to, to re be around people that are serving and, and doing good things, and maybe they feed the homeless, and they keep trying to put on the new nature and start behaving like a Christian and start behaving like the way they know they're supposed to behave, behaving like somebody that knows God. And I would say that's good too. It's good to do those things. But I would say the best thing to do would, to do would be to do both of those. Would be to take off and put on. So there, there are some people that are afraid to come down at an altar and pray and ask God to, to just forgive them. And they know that they're, they're like just in a wretched state and they're afraid to do that because they're afraid that I put on the new nature for so long that what are people going to think of me? Paul says... Take off the old nature and put on the new. Let God break your heart over the things that breaks God's heart. So then what you do is you put on the new nature. Then you, when you start doing those things that you know that God loves and God desires for your life, and you want to be here, and you want to be here on Sundays and Wednesdays, and you want to you serve, and you want to go places that we go, and you want to do all those things. You'll be a part of small groups, and you want to do all those things. I would say do both of those things. Take off and put on. I got too many people doing one or the other, and it, it's not working. They're like, I don't understand. Why do I keep going back this way? I keep going back that way. And I would say, take off and put on. That's the only way that everything can be shaped and renewed and changed. Your attitudes, your thoughts, and everything changes. So Paul goes on to give us some real, real practical advice here because I mean we talk about these things right so we talk about you so like that's good I need to take off put on I got it Kenny that's good you said it like 20 times I got it all right but how do I do that what practical things do I need to do in my life so that so that I know what that means I know how that looks okay this is good he starts in verse 25 this is real hard for you to understand it says stop telling lies I think that's the original Greek stop telling lies you want to know something you're supposed to do? Stop telling lies. See, Satan is the father of lies. And if you start doing what he's doing, what does that say about whose child you are? It says stop telling lies. Well, it's real complicated, isn't it, Paul? Thank you for that one. Stop telling lies. And people go, well, I don't lie. I don't really. Hey, liar. Yes, you do. I don't tell lies. Yes, you do. You liar. You tell lies 20 times a day at work to try to get out of something. Or you tell lies at school when you cheat on a test or, or, or try to do something you know is not right. You're just lying. That's all it is. Now, some of you may have lied to your mama and said, that dress looks good on you this morning. I'm not talking about that, okay? 
Those kind are actually okay, I think, but I have to consult with God on that one, but I think that's okay. But it's the other stuff, man. It's the stuff that, I mean, when people at work or at school see you telling lies, even if it's just little stuff, you're like, man, Kenny, that's stupid, man. That's just little things. What are you worried about that for? I'm worried about living in accordance with the Spirit. And I'm worried about putting on the new nature and taking off the old one. That's why lying is not okay because Paul says in the Word of God, God breathed this into Paul so that he could write it down. He says, stop telling lies. God, what do you want me to do? If you're wondering, what does God want me to do in order to walk in accordance with the Spirit? Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. I'm glad nobody struggles with this in here. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. Why is anger so bad? Now, why is anger such a big deal? Uh, it, don't you think that it has something to do? You know, I, we talked about uh, the other week. I don't remember when it was. We talked about the other week how the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And, and the Holy Spirit just does this sanctifying work, this purifying work, making us more and more like Jesus. It's what he does. It's just the way he works. And we talked about the reason for that, maybe the fact that so that we could be a testimony for what God does, so that people could see that in us and want that and have a desire for that. And when it comes time for somebody to tell them about Jesus, they know to come to you because they see that in you. And that's how God works. He just chooses to do that. He doesn't have to use us. He just chooses to. And people at work, they see you lying. They, they see you cheating. And they see you angry. And they go, I don't, I don't know if I want to be like that. I mean, can you imagine wanting to be like somebody that's angry all the time? That sounds like torment to me. I don't like being angry. Some people seem like they like being angry. And that's a tragedy. Because I think to be in accordance with the Spirit and to be in accordance with God's Word, it says you got to not be angry. And we're not going to go into a righteous kind of anger, you know, somebody sinning against God, and you get frustrated about that. And I, I can tell you that that's okay for the most part. But it says, now, even when that happens, you don't let the sun go down on your anger. You still let it go, and you, you practice grace, and you practice forgiveness in that person. And you, you say, look, I know you don't know what you're doing, but it's hurting God. Even when you're angry about somebody that's doing something against God, it's still not okay to let that continue in your heart. He says, for anger gives foothold to the devil. I don't know about you, but I don't want that in my life. If you are a thief, quit stealing. All right, that's good, you know, right? If you're a, quit, a thief, quit stealing. And everybody goes, well, good. I, I haven't robbed anybody. I, ha I haven't held anybody at gun gunpoint. I haven't been to the, to the grub mart to, to hold anybody up. I haven't stolen money. I, I did, I, look, there was even this Coke that... You know, I could have just took it because the guy wasn't there. I could have done that. I mean, like, I haven't done any of that, dude. I'm good. And I would say, yeah, that's good. That's, that's part of it. But what about, what about the stuff that you take from work that you say, well, they're not going to miss this. Uh, they're not going to miss it if I, if I, you know, take a stack of papers just like this. I need some blank paper for my printer at home, so I'm going to take it from work and I'll use it at home. I don't know what you call that. 
But I think it's called stealing. A lot of people are going, what? Really? Yep. Or, or when you say, you know what? I need a handful of pins. They got a whole, they got like boxes and boxes and boxes of them at work. So I'll just take a handful of these and nobody will ever miss them and it won't be a big deal. That's stealing. I probably told you my story about me stealing. Have I ever told you that story? Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Yeah, so I'll tell you my story. I was about five years old. And I don't know if I've ever told this story from my parents. They may, I don't know who, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> happy Mother's Day, Mom. Uh, so this good friend of mine, we lived in Athens, Alabama. His name was Jeff Billions. Jeff Billions had a ton of money. I, I think that he was called that because he had a ton of money, I guess. I don't know. He had a really nice house. He had a go-kart. Dude had a go-kart. I was like, yes, go-kart. Loved the go-kart. Rode the go-kart. Ran all of his gas out in his go-kart. I loved the go-kart. That was great. Was, I spent the night with Jeff Billions, and he had, look, when I was a kid, I was like a pyromaniac or something. There was a problem with me because I really liked fireworks a lot, and my parents can attest to that, and I really, really liked fireworks. Well, one of my favorite things were these snapping pop things. You know what I'm talking about? Where you throw them, and they pop, and you scare people, and you scare your mama with them. You know what I'm talking about? Those things, pow, pow. So I love those things, right? Well, Jeff Billions... He had like four boxes of these because we were, I was spending the night at his house, me and a couple friends, and I was spending the night there, and he had like four boxes of them. Well, old Kenny says, Jeff Billions has got a billion dollars. Jeff Billions is not going to care if I get a little box of these snapping Pops and stick them in my bag at his spend the night party. Jeff Billions ain't going to care. It ain't going to matter if Jeff Billions, I steal some snapping Pops. Well, he figures out they're missing. And he tells his mom, and I swear, I think that his mom knew that I took them because she made us all look everywhere for that box of snapping pops that neither one of them gave a rip about. She made us hunt and hunt and hunt, and I was about to throw up. I mean, I was sick to my stomach over a $2 box of snapping pops. And here it is 32 years later, and I'm still telling you about a box of snapping Pops that probably nobody else cares about, but I care about. And we think it's not a big deal. We think it's just little something. Who cares? Well, if you walk in accordance with the Spirit, if you walk in accordance with the things that please God, you don't do those things. You just say it's not okay, and the Holy Spirit of God convict me of those things. And I don't want to be like the way I used to be. I want to be in the new nature doing the things I know I'm supposed to do. Stop stealing. Even the little things that you think don't matter, stop stealing. Because if you steal, you're a thief. You're a thief. I'm telling you this stuff because I think that we all want to have times like last Sunday. We come and just pray and say, God, I need you. And his Holy Spirit is moving and we're just overwhelmed by it. We want to walk in accordance with that. I said, instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Why do we work hard? Why do we have money? Quite clear right here, so that we can give generously to others in need. It's not so that we can have a bunch of stuff, so that we can give to others who are in need. Oh, this, this is a hard one too. Don't use foul or abusive language. Anybody ever dealt with that at work? No. Anybody ever dealt with that at school? 
Everybody, anybody ever been around somebody that uses foul or abusive language at school or at work? And, and you'd be okay with it and you still hang around and you're like, well, that's all right, not a big deal, right? It is a big deal if you want to walk in accordance to the Spirit. Somebody told me, I was up on the roof and I was very frustrated because I was having to repair some shingles up on my roof and I smacked the mess out of my thumb with the hammer, okay? It's really hard to stand on a roof that's got a 12-12 pitch and try to drive nails into it and hold a shingle and all that. And I was very angry. And somebody said, I, I bet he's glad that his, his daughter's not out here to, to say what I think he's wanting to say right now. And my wife goes, no, he, he wouldn't say that. And to be very honest, it never crossed my mind to say anything foul or abusive. You can put away that stuff to where it's no longer part of your vocabulary. You can put it to the side and say, no more. I'm done with that. I have a new nature now. But you got to take off and put on. And some people, some people say, man, I don't know if I can get rid of that, that foul language. Sometimes it just, it just pops in there. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't just pop in there, okay? When you really take off and you really put on the new nature, it doesn't just pop in there. You can't say, oh, I didn't mean to. I, didn't, I couldn't help it. Yes, you can. Don't tell me that lie. I know. I'm human just like you are. But you can take it off. And you can put on. And you can say no more to those things that you used to say yes to. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 30 is what it all revolves around. So here's, here we are. This is what Paul says. Here's what we're going for. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. He says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make it sad. Don't break the heart of God. You know, when I pray with somebody and I lead them to Christ, and some people want me to, to lead them in a prayer because it's just easier that way for some people. They're just like, man, I just need you to pray for me. I need you to show me what I need to say. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what you say, first of all. If you mean in your heart that you want Jesus Christ to be prominent and number one in your heart, and you, you say enough of myself and yes to everything of Jesus, it doesn't matter the words you say. But sometimes people want me to lead them in a prayer and they want me to pray with them, and I'll do that. I'll be happy to do that. If there's anybody here that wants me to do that, I'll be happy to show you how you can give your life to Christ. But one of the things that I always pray, and some of you are sitting in here right now, and I pray with you, and you know that I say this, I say, God, I'm sorry that I broke your heart. And it, it never ceases to amaze me when, when I get somebody to repeat those words, tears immediately start to fall. Tears immediately start to run down their face. And I say, God, I'm sorry I broke your heart. God, I'm sorry I broke your heart. You can't say those words and mean it from your heart without tears running down your face. I don't think you can. And you see people, man, you say those words. You say, you just repeat this after me. First, God, I'm sorry I broke your heart. Some of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, you know what we need to do? We need to say that again at an altar and just say, God, I'm sorry I broke your heart. God, I'm, I'm sorry I grieved your Holy Spirit. God, I'm sorry I'm not walking on the path that you laid out there for me so long ago. I'm so sorry. This is what, he, what Paul wants you to remember. Remember, he has identified you as his own. 
guarantee you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. He's called you his own. You want to know why you're supposed to do that? You know why you're supposed to take off and put on? Because you're one of his. He saved you. He redeemed you. He sealed you to that, that day when you will stand before him. That's why. That's why. He goes on to repeat again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, he's saying once again, he's saying take off and then put on. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I, I prayed with somebody not too long ago. They said, they said, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And I said, that's wonderful. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that God has convicted your heart and you want to, you want to, you want to do this. And you want to take the step of obedience to come into God so that so he can forgive you and make you clean and make you white as snow and, and all of those things that, that God does when he restores you and makes you a new creation. I said, but here's the thing. I, I can't pray with you yet. They said, what? I said, I, I, I can't pray with you yet. I said, because I believe that, that there's some things in your life where you haven't offered forgiveness. I didn't say you had to forget. I said you had to forgive are you willing to forgive as Christ has forgiven you? Because if you're not, you're not ready to give your life to Christ. You're not really ready to lay it all down at his altar, at the foot of his cross, and say yes to Jesus if you're not willing to forgive. And this person said, yes, you're right. Tears rolling down the face, you're right. You're right. If I'm going to truly go to God and ask you for his forgiveness, then I've got to be willing to forgive in my own heart. That's the truest picture of what it means to take off and to put on forgiveness forgiveness as Christ is the example forgiveness you say I understand I'm I'm going to Jesus you don't seek your your approval and your need for everything that you've got in life you don't seek it from them or what they did or how they may have hurt you you find it in Jesus which is to put on, to put on the things of Christ. You put all of those things away, the bitterness, the anger, the hatred, you put all of that away and you say yes to Jesus. You are the thing that I need more than anything else in the world. It doesn't matter what they did. What matters is what you did on the cross for me. It's the most beautiful picture of taking off and putting on. Maybe somebody in here Maybe you need to fall down at the foot of this altar and say, I haven't stolen much, but I have stolen. I am a thief. Maybe you want to fall down at this cross and say, the things that are in my heart are lustful, and I've given way to those things, and I don't want to do that anymore. Maybe you need to, to stay where you are and pray and say, God, there are people that I have bitterness and anger towards, and I can't be like you if I keep holding on to those things. This altar is not about people looking at you and saying, I wonder what's going on with that person. This altar is about being part of that one body that we talked about where you can come down here. You know why you come down here as opposed to staying there? I'm okay with you staying there. I really don't care one way or the other. But the advantage of coming down here is that people can see you and they can pray for you. 
As one body of Christ, as one body of believers, we can all fall down on our face before you. And some of us can pray for you. And some of us can pray with you. And some of us can say, stand at our seats. I need to be praying for that person right now because they are hurting. And God is speaking to them. And I just pray that God restores them. Maybe that they've got a family member or a friend or somebody that's hurting and they want to pray for them. God, lift them up. God, strengthen them. Encourage them like only you can. That's the reason we pray down at the front. There's nothing special about this carpet down here. There's something special about having a unified body of believers, being able to pray for you and seeing your hurt and seeing you and saying, I need to lift that person up. The Holy Spirit of God moved last week and it was people were just lining up at the altar, just praying over the things that were on their hearts. And I believe God was honored through that. And I believe we need to continue to do those sort of things so we as a body of believers can pray for one another. What, what is your need? What is it in your life that you know that is not in accordance with the Spirit? Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you know the Spirit doesn't live within you. Maybe you need to rectify that and you need to come down here and say, I need to be saved. I need to put my life in Jesus' hand and take out of my own hands. Whatever the Holy Spirit of God is instructing you to do, and my prayer is that you be obedient. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Thank you for Paul telling us that what we need more than anything is to take off the old nature and put on the new. God, the new nature is one that pleases the Holy Spirit, and the old nature is one that grieves the Holy Spirit. God, we so desperately want you to be in our lives in a very real and present way. We want you to move and convict our hearts and show us things and be close to us. But at the same time, we're doing things sometimes that grieve your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we wouldn't do that. I pray that we would stop telling lies. I pray that we would stop being thieves. I pray that we would stop being people whose lives are filled with lust and deceit. And I pray that we would be people that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. May we behave like people that know you. May the outward exhibition of our lives be one that that just shows the inward transformation of our hearts. God, and what you did in us, it's not us that can do it on our own. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives within me. So God, however you need to work in these people, however your Holy Spirit needs to move in their hearts, God, I pray that we be obedient to you. God, if that means falling down on our face at this altar, if that means staying at our seats and falling down and weeping over the fact that we, we have not taken off or we've not put on, God, whatever you need to convict us of, God, I pray that we'd be obedient and we'd be responsive. God, I pray that there'd be no judgment by anybody who comes down at this altar that people would look at them and, and say, I wonder what's going on in their life. God, I pray that that would not happen in this place, that we recognize that we are all one body and we are all in a desire to walk in accordance with the Spirit and we need your help. And we need the help of the other members of the body to come and pray for us. This is not a place of judgment at the foot of your cross. This is a place of redemption, of grace, and of mercy. God, for those that don't understand forgiveness. God, maybe they're harboring bitterness in their heart. God, I pray for them. I pray that they would see Jesus and they would see the sacrifice and the torment that he went through on the cross for them. And through that, God, they would be able able to offer forgiveness for those that have hurt them. God, we're all just wretched sinners in desperate need of a holy Savior. So God, however you need to work in these people's lives, God, I pray that we would be obedient. God, we thank you for this word and we thank you for how you encourage us and correct us and instruct us. 
God, we do love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody please stand.